healing is your birthright. Health is your birthright. Vitality is your birthright. And your body has amazing potential to give you that. It's all about tuning into it and giving it what it needs in order to harness that potential. Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected, and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our God, our body, and I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences, or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Welcome back, everyone. So excited to introduce you to my guest today. I have Kimberly Kubicki with me, who has graduated with honors from Rutgers University with a double major in sociology and human ecology. She spent years working in social services and in mental health, supporting people in helping themselves. But now, Kimberly is an Ayurvedic educator, consultant, and health coach. She's a registered Ayurvedic practitioner with the National Ayurvedic Medical Association and a registered Ayurvedic food and nutrition consultant with the Association of Ayurvedic Professionals of North America. Can't wait to hear more. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. So, you know, you started in one arena of work and profession, and now you're doing something kind of completely different. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what the professional turn was? Yeah. So where it kind of switched gears was I was working in Vermont as a residential counselor in group homes with adults who had severe persistent mental illness. And Vermont is already a climate that's very challenging for my constitution, for my body type. It's very cold and wet. And I was working a stressful job and working overnights, so throwing off my biorhythms. And so I was getting sick a lot. And I had a friend there in Vermont whose grandfather was an Ayurvedic doctor in the village in India that he grew up in. And so when I would get sick, Seva would call me up and ask me all these questions about how I was feeling. And then show up at my door with these magic potions, I called them, and I would drink them, you know, and sometimes they'd have milk in them. And I'd be like, no, I can't have milk. I'm all congested. It's going to make me worse, you know, make it more congested. And he was like, no, no, there's special herbs in there that are going to change the properties of it. And I boiled it. And so I would trust him and drink these magic potions, go to sleep and wake up and feel so much better. And so I was finally like, what are you giving me? What is this? And He said, you know, I can't just tell you the ingredients of what's in it and that's going to work every time. It's this whole way of understanding called Ayurveda. And, you know, if you want to study it more, the person who's writing and teaching about it in English is Dr. Vasant Laud. So I immediately got a bunch of Dr. Laud's books and started reading them. And Seva gave me a few really basic, easy, free things to change about my diet and lifestyle. 
that revolutionized my health. I had struggled with chronic sinus issues and digestive issues my entire childhood into young adulthood and was just convinced I'd be dependent on prescription medication to manage them for the rest of my life. I just got to a point where I'd get sick enough and then I'd go to the doctor and they'd give me a pill. And, you know, that was kind of the cycle I was on. And he gave me these really simple, easy recommendations. And it was like, whoa, a whole new world of health opened up for me. And I couldn't believe it was that easy. Like, why didn't anybody ask me these questions and tell me to do these things 20 years ago? So then I just became passionate about learning everything I could about Ayurveda and trying to bring as many of those practices into my life as I could. And then finally sought professional certification to share it with people. And also, you know, as when I was working at that group home, that's how we were managing folks. Just I just hand people handfuls of pills, like 20 pills just at their 8 a.m. medtime. And they were going to have four other medtimes throughout the day. And we were feeding them just cheap crap food. And they basically sat on the couch all day and watched TV and smoked cigarettes. Like there was no physical activity encouraged, no resources for that. And so I just saw too, like working inside that system, like, wow, we are not trying to heal anybody here. We're just maintaining and making a lot of money for the pharmaceutical industry. So yeah, I wanted to learn all I could about Ayurveda to be able to share it with other people to empower them to understand their body and take charge of their health because our bodies have amazing capacity to heal. You know, I was able to experience that firsthand. And so, you know, prior to that, I had sort of identified as a sickly person, thought I was a little bit weak in that way. It was like, no, I, I'm not actually. I've just been eating the wrong foods at the wrong times. And I was able to really shift my reality in such a positive way. So that motivated the switch in the other direction. So what's the process like in finding out what your body needs and what it doesn't need? Is that a long process? Well, you know, I do have like a body type quiz that anyone can take. It's free on my website. If you go to indraholistic.com forward slash quiz, you can take the body type quiz. And that will give you a quick read on what your general body type is, what your predominant dosha is the word that we call it in Ayurveda, which dosha basically means like, a force or energy, which one of those forces predominate in your body. And then when you get the results of your quiz, I also give you some recommendations for how to work with that, what your strengths are and what your triggers are likely going to be. So on a certain level, it can be very fast and you can get some insight. And that quiz has been around a long time. And so it's pretty tried and true, you know, in terms of accuracy. And then, of course, you can go much more in depth in working. When I work one on one with clients, we really dial into like, what are their specific health issues? What's the story of how they got to those health issues? Because the story of how one person got to have chronic headaches can be very different from the story of how another person got to have chronic headaches. And so Ayurveda really looks to differentiate, you know, and, and hone in on what's the specific situation surrounding an individual's health issues so that we can then trace it back to the root cause and remove that cause and then support their body in returning to a state of balance. And that can be very nuanced and look different for, you know, a wide variety of people, even for folks who have the same story of how they got to a health issue. You know, one person might have 
immense capacity to change and is very motivated to change and has the freedom in their life to do that, the time and space to do that. And another person might not. They might, you know, have a lot of demands on them and they can only really make very incremental changes. So with Ayurveda, we really meet the person where they're at and develop a customized plan for them so that they can inch their way toward their health goals. So, you know, it can be like a 10 minute, a five minute quiz, or it can be, you know, a three month kind of in-depth health coaching process. It just depends on the individual. Okay. So this, I'm sure, could be a five-hour explanation. So you can pare this down, but it's kind of two questions. What's the philosophy or how do the body types come about or what's the source of them? I'm not sure quite how to ask that, but also do we stay the same body type for our entire life? Great question. So the body types are based on the five elements, ether, air, fire, water, and earth. And the idea in Ayurveda is that everything is made up of all five elements. Everything that exists has all five elements within it, but just in different proportions. And if we really look at each of those elements, look at the things that, you know, are mostly earth, we study the nature of what are they like? They're heavy, they're stable, they're dry, they don't generally move around a lot. You know, we can sort of pull out patterns that we see with each of those elements. And so that forms the basis of Ayurveda is this elemental understanding. And then each of the doshas is made up of two elements. So vata dosha is ether and air. So very light and changeable and reactive and unpredictable. And pitta is fire and water. So pitta is very hot and transformative and intense. Kapha is water and earth. So kapha is very stable and soft and gentle and growth, like solid. You know, they're, they're people who have a really solid body and like almost like a stubbornness about it. They're very determined. They're going to stick to their way of doing things kind of thing. You know, and I am breaking this down into like little sound bites. I could totally talk about each of these for five hours, but that's sort of the elements form the basis for each of the doshas. And we see the doshas within ourselves and we see them in the world around us. So they're based on patterns from observing nature. And we are a part of nature. We're a reflection of nature. So these are patterns that we commonly see throughout all of life. That's what informs this concept of the dosha. And so the doshas, they're not reality. You can't touch vata or touch pitta or kapha. But they're ways of understanding reality. They're concepts that help us to gain insight about the world around us. Interesting. So are we always the same body type? Good question. So yes, it's considered to be fixed at conception, what your type is. And that is what your soul is meant to come into the world and experience life as. So that doesn't change. That's fixed. However, the choices that we make in life, what we're exposed to, what our mother is exposed to while she's pregnant with us, all of those things can affect how we're actually experiencing life. So they affect the balance of the doshas. So for many of us, you know, we're not at that exact same point as when we were conceived. You know, we've had experiences, we're exposed to things, 
For example, like we're all somewhat Vata aggravated living in the culture that we live in because we're very overstimulated. We're constantly taking in sound, sights. There's a lot going on, a lot of information, a lot of talking that we're constantly around. And so all of us have a little bit of elevated Vata. It's pretty hard to avoid it, but there's ways that we can manage that. Just to give you an example of how you know, that fixed point that we have at birth, it's not like you stay at that fixed point your entire life. These other things affect it. Wow. Okay. And so these patterns, as you're calling them, they're reflected also then in the plants. And that's why certain body types eat certain kinds of food. Yeah, definitely. So vata types who are mostly ether and air very light, you know, changeable elements, kind of ungrounded, also very creative and spontaneous and adaptable. There's a lot of beautiful qualities about Vata Dosha also. They generally do well to have really earthy, hearty foods like animal products, root vegetables, whole grains, the foods that are most nourishing because they tend to have a hard time keeping nourishment in their body. Usually vata type, people who are predominantly vata are very thin, very light, very underweight. They have trouble keeping weight on. And so they need those heartier foods prepared in a way so that they're easy to digest because vata types usually have kind of weaker digestion. So they can't really sit down to like a 10 ounce T-bone steak and eat that. You need like soups and stews and lots of digestive spices in their cooking so that they can break down those heartier foods. But that's generally what they need is more earth and water element. They also tend to be very dry. So they need to make sure that they hydrate well and they need lots of good quality oils in their diet because oils also help to mitigate dryness in the body. Think about if your hands are dry, you don't run them underwater to moisturize them, right? You need to put oil on them, some kind of substance with oil in it in order to moisturize. Same thing internally. And so pitta types, they are very hot and fiery. So they generally need foods that are cooling. They tend to have very strong digestion and kind of like a ravenous appetite. They're the kind of folks who get hangry if they don't eat on time. And so they need hearty nourishment as well. Animal products and really nourishing foods are generally good for them, but also need a lot of bitter greens to cool them down, a lot of bitter vegetables to encourage the liver to release bile, which helps heat to leave the body. And they also generally do well with astringent foods like legumes and barley because pitta types tend to also be a little bit more oily. And they tend toward inflammation. You think of that idea of inflammation as like swelling, right? There's fluid in there. That's reflective of that body type. So they do well with more astringent foods that are going to help kind of absorb some of that water. And then kapha types, they usually have the most kind of mass on their body. Their bodies are generally really good at storing energy. And so for them, they generally need to eat light. They need to favor vegetables and a more vegetarian diet and be kind of scrutinous with the hearty, nourishing foods. They still need them. All the doshas need, you know, the whole gamut of food types, but the proportions are going to be different based on their life. And so that sort of demonstrates this fundamental concept in Ayurveda that like increases like and opposites balance. 
So if you're somebody who's very hearty and, you know, has a lot of mass on you, if you eat more foods that are hearty and have a lot of mass, you're going to continue to build that mass. But if you eat lighter food, you know, they're going to lighten you up. So that concept is sort of the basis of Ayurvedic medicine. I remember when I learned it, I was like, that's it? That's like the whole thing that is so obvious, but it's so brilliant also. And as you play with that in life, it makes so much sense. It becomes really intuitive. Like, oh yeah, if I'm overheated and I've got all this kind of angst about me and intensity and I drink two cups of black coffee, I'm only like putting more fuel on that fire and going to just flare it up. Whereas if I chill out and go take a walk or lay down in the grass and take some deep breaths, that's going to help to mitigate that intensity. So that's another interesting and fundamental aspect of Ayurveda that I think is very easy to grasp and start, you know, just applying. Wow. And so is Ayurveda completely based on our diet? Or are there other aspects to it? No, yeah, for sure. Diet and lifestyle are kind of the foundation of it. So daily routine has a very high importance in Ayurveda. What time you wake up, what you do when you wake up, what time you eat, what time you go to bed, and all the activities in between, how we structure our days, when we exercise, when we meditate, when we do self-care practices, all of this plays into supporting our health. And those are going to vary by our body type as well? Yeah, to an extent. Yep. Vata types tend to need the most amount of sleep because their bodies are easily depleted. So they need a lot of rest to kind of recharge. Whereas kapha types, they need the least amount of sleep. Their bodies are good at storing energy. So they need to get up and get moving. They can do more rigorous, intense exercise. Whereas vata types need gentle exercise. And pitta is always kind of in the middle. So how we structure our routine also changes by body type, changes by the time of year. You know, in the winter when it's dark for much more of the day, that's the time to rest more, to sleep more. In the summer when we've got so much daylight, that's the time to be active more. So it, it even changes, you know, based on the season and the climate that you're living in. And also, the situation of your life, when you're going through a big change in life, you just had a baby, you're going through menopause, you're getting a divorce, you're starting a new job, anything like that where there's a big change, that increases vata, that vata governs all change. And so generally during those times, you need more rest, you need more nourishment and nurturance, you need to be more gentle with yourself. There's a lot of moving parts, which is why it's helpful, especially in the beginning, to kind of work with somebody and really get a grasp on the framework. But then once you get it, it's kind of like these Ayurvedic glasses that you put on. And once you put them on, you can't take them off. You can't unsee it. It just becomes intuitive. Right. So I saw on your website, you had a video called something like how Ayurveda understands disease. And I didn't get to watch the whole thing. And I know you've covered some of this, but do you mind just giving a synopsis of that? Yeah, sure. So there's this idea that there are certain stages of disease. And generally speaking, so I'm giving a generalization. There's all kinds of specific situations where it could be a different story. But this is the general understanding of how disease develops in the body is that it begins in our gut. It begins in our digestive tracts. That's where we take in 
outside influences into our digestive tract. So that's the place where the body has to manage that. And so it begins by something going off there. And then it kind of builds up in the digestive tract. And generally, when it starts to build up in the digestive tract, we begin to get a little symptoms. Maybe we get some heartburn or some gas and bloating, or we're a little constipated or we feel nauseous. There's something there telling us like, I just don't feel 100%. And that's kind of your warning sign. That is when it's ideal to act and address the problem because it's going to be easy to fix at that point. If we don't listen or we can't listen for whatever reason, then that sort of buildup of illness starts to spread. It leaves the digestive tract and starts to spread and circulate throughout the body, looking for a weak place to settle. And so a weak place can be due to genetics. You know, your mother had a weak heart, her mother had a weak heart, you have a weak heart. And so that's a place where you're prone to something settling. Or it could be a place where you've had some kind of trauma. You broke your hip when you were a kid. And so there's scar tissue there. And that's just a weak place in your body. So these sort of pathogens circulate. We call it AMA in Ayurveda. And AMA basically means undigested stuff in the body, things that your body hasn't been able to digest and absorb and assimilate and eliminate. It just hasn't gone through the right process. And so it's just kind of like this gunk that's stuck circulating in the body. It finds a weak spot then to lodge, and then it starts to fester in there. And then while it's sort of circulating and spreading around the body, we might see symptoms that are more systemic, like a rash or a body ache that's just like all over the body. Then once it lodges in a place, we'll probably begin to get symptoms there in that location. We'll get sort of like prodromal signs and symptoms, warning signs and symptoms in that area. So it might be an intense ache there or, you know, some kind of discomfort, congestion or inflammation, something that's drawing our attention to that specific area. If we still don't do anything about it, then it has the time and space. It's now been kind of festering in us for a while to change the structure and function of the tissues. So then we're looking at potentially like permanent damage, you know, something that's maybe not going to be able to be reversed. And that's kind of the last stage of it is just like a permanent damage to the body, something that's irreparable. So ideally, you know, we don't wait for it to get to that point. We act really early. And that's a big difference, I think, with Ayurveda and Western medicine. You know, a lot of times with Western medicine, it's like you got to wait till you really have the symptoms to get some kind of medication or whatever. When you just go in and you say, you know, I just don't feel right. I'm not feeling like myself. It's kind of like, well, you know, probably you're in your mind. Like there isn't a lot of protocol for how to deal with that. But with Ayurveda, Part of what this science of life does is train you to be cued in to your body's subtle cues so that, you no, know, you know, for me, it's, I know when I start to get congestion in my head, that's like my weak spot. That's my trigger sign. Like I need to slow down. I need to clean up my diet. I need to get some more rest. I need to be drinking ginger tea. You know, it's like that little, once I start to just feel the pressure building, I know and we all have those little things, you know, for some people it's heartburn, gas or whatever, but those subtle cues are really where the power is 
to avoid anything serious from happening. Change your habits and get yourself on the right track so that you don't develop these kind of long-term. Right. So what do you think for a person just learning this about themselves and they're working with you or someone or reading about it, what would be the biggest challenges they might have in understanding what to eat or what lifestyle changes they might have to make? I don't know that it's always that they have challenges in understanding them. It's more challenges in doing them. You know, our culture doesn't value self-care. It's like, hurry up your lunch while you're doing 10 other things and don't pay attention to how it tastes or how it's feeling in your body or if you're full or not or you were even hungry to begin with. So it's not usually the actual techniques that are harder to understand. It's more implementing them and and making it a lifestyle when there are a lot of things kind of going against that grain that want you to just go and produce and achieve. And um, and that really can take a toll, especially for women, is what I find in my practice. So yeah, it's a lot of times the recommendations are easy. And if you want to get a taste of just like what some of Ayurveda's recommendations are, general recommendations for like eating well, for example, I have a free download on my website, indraholistic.com forward slash eating. And it just gives you, I think it might be like 10 or 12 basic guidelines about how to eat, not even what to eat, but how to eat so that you are supporting your digestion, that you're supporting getting as much nourishment as possible out of your food and preventing disease from beginning to accumulate in the digestive tract where most of it starts. How to eat. People don't usually talk about how to eat. It's always what to eat, isn't it? Yeah. My brother told me one time, and I don't know if this is true and if it has anything to do with Ayurveda, but he said that the herbs used in Indian cooking are more about their properties than the flavor. Does that ring true to you at all? I mean, definitely food is considered medicine in Ayurveda, for sure. And there's even a proverb that says, if the diet is correct, then medicine is of no need. But if the diet is incorrect, medicine is of no use. Like you're not even going to get well if you're just going to keep eating poor food combinations and foods that don't work for you. You can take all the medicine you want. You're still going to be struggling with that. So yes, the properties of the spices certainly come into play in Ayurveda cooking. Like I mentioned earlier, Vata types generally need a lot of really good digestive spices like ginger, whereas kapha types do well with the more pungent, spicy spices to clear out congestion and kind of encourage circulation and blood flow and stimulate them. So they can do well with like crushed red pepper and cayenne pepper and those kinds of spices. Pitta types generally do well with cooling spices, spices like cumin, coriander, fennel and a, more of a minimum of spices. And kapha types need very little salt, whereas vata types generally need a larger amount of salt because salt helps them to hold on to water. So yeah, there's a lot of subtlety in Ayurvedic cooking with the spices and how you can make a dish medicinal. And you can even, you know, make the same dish because I've had many clients who have families and they're like, well, I can't cook a different thing for every person in my house. But there's ways you can do it based on, you know, the pitta people, they should garnish their food with coconut and lime and cilantro. That should be going on top of their food. 
the Kuffa people should be putting black pepper and some red pepper on top of their food. The Vata people should be grating some fresh ginger and having that as a garnish on their food. So you can kind of manage it that way too. And, and even within your family, sort of cater to everyone's needs based on how you portion it and then, you know, what kind of toppings you put on it. Right. That makes sense. Now, I'm sure ideally it would be good for people to find out their own body type and make adjustments that way. But for the listeners, is there like a guide you could tell people? It's like, if nothing else, just do this for yourself, for your mental health, for your physical health, for everything. Yeah, there's a few general tips that are considered sort of paramount in Ayurveda. The first one is having a good daily routine. So ideally, we eat, wake, and sleep at the same time daily. So as much as you can do that, and in Ayurveda, we're never going for 100% perfection. We're doing the best we can. This is our intention. Nobody can do it 100% of the time. So, you know, if you can't, don't give up on it. Keep coming back to it. Let it be something you come back to. But ideally, yeah, eating, waking, and sleeping at the same time every day. With eating, ideally, only eat when you're hungry, when you are actually experiencing hunger coming from your stomach. Don't eat when you're not hungry. Your body's not ready to digest food when you're not. And only eat until you're full. Overeating is one of the worst things you can do for digestion. When there's not space and air in there for things to move and your body to, you know, coat it all with juices and it's just like totally stuffed full, digestion's not going to be good. So ideally avoid that and aim to make eating a ritual, like a sacred time where you're taking care of yourself. So chew your food well. Notice all the flavors in your food. Notice how your hunger is being satiated and when you hit that stopping point. You know, it doesn't need to be a two-hour meal, but really try to take the time to give yourself 20, 30 minutes to be quiet and just focus on eating when it's time to eat. That also is going to support healthy digestion. So those are just a few of the general ones that come to mind. Great ideas. It is hard, you know, in America, I don't know about some of the other countries because you go out to dinner and you get huge platefuls of food and the grocery store isn't really full of healthy food per se. So plus, yeah, eating just all the time. So great ideas, great feedback. So where can people find you on the internet and how do you like to work with people? What do you offer? So folks can find me via my website, indraholistic.com. So that's I-N-D-R-A holistic.com. And I'm also on Instagram at, at Indra Holistic. So you can connect with me in either of those places. And I offer a few different things. I offer all of my services virtually so I can work with anyone anywhere in the world. And I offer one-on-one -on -one consultations. I also lead a guided nine-day cleanse online twice a year in the fall and in the spring. That's the times of year when our bodies are most primed to release toxins. So I have one coming up in October. If you go to my site, you can find all the details there. And then I also have an online eight-week course that's self-paced with live support from me. And it's called Ayurveda Made Easy. And it basically takes all the most practical aspects of Ayurveda. There's a lot of Ayurveda that's very advanced and harder to grasp and requires a lot of study. But there's even more of it 
that is very accessible and easy to grasp. It's folk medicine. It's meant to be understood and practiced by everyday people. And so this course, Ayurveda Made Easy, I've taken my 20 plus years of experience of working with Ayurveda and distilled it into the most practical aspects, the things that I'm consistently working with clients on so that you can get a grasp of this framework and really make it intuitive so that you can then apply it to any kind of health condition that comes up in your life or your family's life to ideally prevent disease. And, you know, if you don't get it before it starts, then to work with supporting recovery. So that is going to begin September 19th, and it'll go through November 14th. And you have access to the materials for the life of the course. You know, you, you can have access to it forever, but there'll be this eight weeks of live support during that window of time and another cohort of people doing it with you so that you can share your experiences and your breakthroughs and your challenges and sort of support each other in making this a lifestyle because it can feel a little daunting and lonely sometimes when jazzed up about doing it, but it's like your family's like, I don't need that. So having a community around it can really be a great motivating factor. That's fantastic. All right. Thank you. So last question. If you could tell everyone in the world something right now, what would that be? I would say healing is your birthright. Health is your birthright. Vitality is your birthright. And your body has amazing potential to give you that. It's all about tuning into it and giving it what it needs in order to harness that potential. So I hope you'll join me in this journey of Ayurveda because the water is really nice in here. Nice. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's been so fun to learn about this today. And thank you for being here, Kimberly. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Yes, you're welcome. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, Connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.